I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say today, right now, as we're sitting here, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can we right now in our hearts, can we open up our hearts, the ears, not just our physical ears, but let us open up our hearts right now to receive the word, to receive the message that God has in store for us. Say, Jesus, I'm listening. Jesus, here I am. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Just as we learn at the retreat, speak to us, O oh God. Speak words of life. Father, your breath of grace and mercy that is so readily available for us, God. We seek your face. We seek your face. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now, God, as we transition to this message, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, we just love you. We give all glory to you. Father, take all the glory for this service. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Let's just really get into the word. Let's open up our hearts to hear and receive the message uh, that God has in store for us today. So last week, we ended the retreat with listening, about listening to the voice of God and just being ready. That's how we become steadfast as we hear the voice of God. But there comes a point where listening is not enough. We need to get to a point where we listen and we put it into action. We need to become doers of God's word. So turn to your neighbor and say, be doers of God's word. Be doers of God's word. Okay, now let's go right into it. James 1, verse 19 to 27. It says this, my dear brothers and sisters, just like what we talked about Wednesday, Ephesians 1, 5, we talked about that we are adopted in Christ, that as Christians, we become part of this community, this family, that despite what blood or what type of family, different family, physical family we come from, we are able to call each other brothers and sisters. So here in James 1, the writer, he's talking, he's, when he says, my dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to believers, not to people outside in the world, but to his fellow brothers and sisters. He's calling us Christians, both men and women, who are part of God's loving family. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Please turn to your neighbor and say, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he or she 
looks like. Can we all turn to the right and look at ourselves in the mirror? And then go left. What are you wearing? What are you wearing, Rani? Nope, wrong. Red shirt. It says, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Three points today. Number one is very short because we went over this at the retreat. Number one is be quick to listen. We need to stop talking and we need to listen to God's voice. And what is God saying to us here today? In the scripture in James 1, it reminds us, right? My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Verse 19, everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But the key thing here is be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Listen to his will. Listen to God's voice. Listen to God's calling. Number two, be doers. We are called to be doers of God's words, not just merely listen. Let's look at verse 22 to 24. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he or she looks like. That's what happens when we're just listening and we're not doing. If we're not doing, the scripture says that you are deceiving yourself. You think that you know yourself? We don't because our hearts are deceitful. Above all else, it says in Jeremiah 17. Therefore, we must listen to God's voice. We must read the word of God. We must put it into action. If not, we are deceiving ourselves, it says. It says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness, it says in Proverbs 26, verse 11. So to listen is important. But to do and to put into action is even greater, is more important, is of greater importance. And we learn in Wednesday Bible study, discipleship. We learn all the things, all the knowledge of God. We understand that we are adopted in Christ. We understand that the person who is sitting next to you right now is your brother, is your sister. We understand that we are called, that we are ambassadors, that everything that we have, we are stewards of God's kingdom. We understand that God in Christ is the word. The word of God is God, is Jesus Christ. If you want to hear and listen to God's voice, we learn that we must read the word. The word of God is God's voice. But yet, we know it here, but we are not applying it in our day-to-day life. We lie to our brothers and sisters. We cheat our neighbors. We are false witnesses. We spread lies about them. We are not true witnesses. We use people. We use them for our own benefit. We hurt the person that we are with, the person that we're called to love or we're called to honor. We cheat each other. Pastors take money. They take power, control. They take over things. When God calls them to be servant leaders, and we see that we are not applying what we are learning from the lesson that we have learned from Christ. Discipleship, for those who have done discipleship. What is the point of discipleship if we are not obeying, we're not being obedient to the word of God? If you don't do what it says, what is the point? James chapter 2, verse 14 to 18, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I'm going to say it again. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is 
dead. Do you understand? Your faith is dead. It's nothing. It has absolutely no worth if it's just faith. You must put it in to action. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And this is the key. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You want to see my faith? Look at what I do. Look at my actions. My actions will speak for itself, not my words, not my faith that I have inside. It needs to come out. It must be put into action. It's like a vehicle. You have no engine. Engine is what keeps it going. But it's the physical body, the physical car that moves. Without the wheel, everything needs to work together. If you have no deeds, your faith is dead. True followers of Christ, they do not end when they hear the word. If you just hear and it just comes and it falls into your soil, but what needs to happen is it needs to go and soak deep and take root. Eventually the fruit will come forward. And with that, that's the action where it shows, you are showing yourself that you are a child of God. True followers of Christ are beers, are doers of God's word. You're not just doing it for the sake of checklist, 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 but you become and then you do. It's the inside out. That's the way it works. Verse 25 to verse 27 says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. We're called to remember, not forgetting. Don't forget what you learned at the retreat. Don't forget what we learned from last retreat. Don't forget what we learned during the mission team, the mission trips, and the testimonies that we've heard. Don't forget, most importantly, don't forget what you're reading in the scriptures. We memorize it. We know it here. But is it trickling down from your mind to your heart? And from your heart, is it bringing forth fruit of action, of good deeds that's found in Christ? Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And we read right here in verse 27, that the action that God accepts as pure and holy and faultless is when we go and we help orphans and widows, people who are in need, the least of these. If you're not putting that into action, when we, whenever we're walking and we just see someone who is in need and we just have, oh, I wish I could help them, we just have a thought and we walk away, then we're doing something wrong. I don't mean like on your way to work, to the city, you see every person, you got to help every single person. Obviously, you got to use wisdom, you got to use discernment, the timing, and also don't go in a, a dangerous alley by yourself, especially for a, a female, just to go on your own for the sake of spreading the gospel. You got to use wisdom. You got to be safe. You need to have people with you, right? You got to use wisdom and discernment to do it the right way. But if we don't have a heart, if we're not putting it into action in what we do, then our faith is dead. We have a dead religion. That's why I'm proud of our ministry and the things that we do. With nursing home, with the homeless outreach that we did, and with mission trips that we do, you know, with the finances that we give, with the ways that we're gonna get involved with nonprofit organizations this year, and that way that we're going to help and we're going to be the salt and the light. We're going to literally put our faith into action. It's not about what's seen by the people or the world, but it's who we are as people of God. Here in orphans, widows, in the first century church, in the, in the time that James was written, they were oftentimes found in very hopeless situations. 
So if these orphans and these widows, if no one cared for these individuals, they would be left to fend for themselves. Sometimes they would sell their bodies to go on the streets so that they don't starve to death. I mean, just imagine right now in this cold weather being outside. We walked in the city and we were all freezing. And imagine that being your life. We as a church, we need to put God's word into action to show the heart of Christ. You can't say this is the heart of Christ, Christ loves you, and we as Christians, we do absolutely nothing. Then we're just words. We're just a clanging symbol. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, no love, no love for the least of these. Not that they're any less than us, but with the privilege that God has placed us with, with the blessing that he has given us with, with the roof that we have on our top of our heads, and the food that we have, the money in our bank accounts, we use them, we use those blessings that we have to further the kingdom of God. And what's, what does it mean to further the kingdom of God? To bring the gospel in the dark places, not just the gospel of the truth, but also with our action to help those who are in need. Specifically here, it's talking about orphans and widows. Let's look at the first image here. This here is an image of a Florida police officer helping a homeless man shave for a job interview. Officer Tony Carson, I'm getting off from the site, from the article that I read, helps Phil get ready for a job interview. That's the title. Tony Carson, a police officer of the Tallahassee Police Department, pulled into a gas station and noticed a homeless man struggling with an electric razor. Trying to shave for a job interview at McDonald's, Carson tying a screw on the razor and helped the man named Phil shave his beard. Let's go to the next image. Lauren Pure Ear uses her extreme couponing skills to feed thousands of people. Lauren Pure Ear, a mental health clinician, set a goal of providing 30,000 meals to people in need by her 30th birthday. She founded an organization called For the Love of Others and uses her extreme couponing skills for charity. There are coupons on the Sunday paper online that you can print. So I collect as many as I can, match them to the store, and that is how I am able to get the items for free, she told NJ.com. Next image, the primo, I mentioned this cop before. A two-year-old cop who works out in the 6th precinct in the West Village has been working a special midtown detail near 44th Street when he saw the man walking barefoot on 7th Avenue at around 9.30 p.m. This is an area where we did the ministry. It was in this area. People were laughing at the man, recalled the primo. I mean, that's crazy that people were laughing at the man whose own feet were freezing in boots and two pairs of socks on the 35-degree night. I went up to him and said, where are your shoes? The Prima recalled, and he said, it's okay. I've never had a pair of shoes, but God bless you. And that had really taken me aback because this gentleman had enough heart to say, God bless me, and he didn't even have a pair of socks. The Prima ran ahead of the man down 7th Avenue to a Skechers store, told them the situation, and asked for help. I said, listen. I like to buy, buy a pair of boots, something that's going to last a while, he recalled, saleswoman. Waited on the, on the kind-hearted cop. He said, this guy outside is shaking, and he doesn't have any shoes on. He looks like he's dying. I asked what he needed, and he said, he just wanted anything warm. The premium went out to ask the man his shoe size, and the lady found a pair of size 12, $99, Skechers North, black boots lined with thin insulation. We gave him a 50% discount because of his kindness. And the cop said, when I brought out his shoes, he had a smile from ear to ear. It was absolutely amazing. To end the article, it says, I think it's an important reminder, especially now, some people have it really tough. When you're having a bad day, you might think things can't get any worse. Then you see something like this and you remember people have it worse. In an article in Guardian, written by a lady named Mary and she's a real homeless person. And in this article she wrote, the findings said that 30 to 40% of the street homeless population suffer from a mental illness 
which is why when we went, the one individual, one man that we encounter, he was not able to really communicate with us clearly, including alcoholism and drug addiction. It's a tragic statistic, but you can also infer from the survey that 60 to 70% of the street homeless are not mentally ill, drug addicted, or alcoholic. The worst are the showers for the homeless at the shelter for women. And this is a lady who's writing and she's speaking on behalf of women, homeless women. At the shelter for women, all the bathroom doors are adjusted to assist in monitoring for smoking, drug use, and potential suicide. For about 150 women, there are often only two showers and only two hours when they are available. So a list gets made, and those on the list monitor the use of the showers, announcing who is next and reminding her to be quick. Just as soon as the woman enters the shower stall, another woman starts yelling for her to hurry up. The complaints escalate down the line of those waiting. Soon they call over to the male shelter worker. And she says in parentheses, I don't know why men are allowed such a job because it's shameful that the user is past her time limit and he should make her get out. The male worker yells from his desk, knocks several times on the door and then unlocks the door and then opens it. Almost always a shower user has not finished dressing and can be seen in plain view by many other people. If she shouts with embarrassment and indignation, the male worker will shout back ammunitions and threats to call the police on we understand that we live in a world that is very clear that people, they have it tough. And we see it from the view. We don't even think about just these little situations until we read about it. We're not made aware of these things and we do not have any concern and conviction when we hear these stories. Our hearts don't stir with anger, with righteous anger, with conviction. But yet we are so Good at coming to church, wearing nice clothes, makeup, comfortable. Again, those are not bad things. I'm not saying don't do it. Next week, Arlene comes with like sweatpants. But my point is, we cannot just be hearers of God's word. We must be able to put it in to action. Action. Look what's happening in Australia with all the animals. They say over billions of animals have been killed. If you watch some of those videos, if you're able to watch them, it's very sad. You know, these animals just being, just being burned and they have no food and they're throwing food from the helicopter so that these animals can eat. And people literally, they go, it says, it says in this article, now, when people go to these places, they, they, go, they go great lengths, risking even their limbs to go and to save these animals. And these people are amazing. What these people are doing, they're amazing heroes because they're putting their lives at stake. Billions of animals that are being killed right now at this instant. And animals are precious, yes? I mean, I love my dog. We love animals. But the scripture reminds us that human beings are even more are greater. It says in Matthew 6, 26 to 27, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If human beings are more precious in God's eyes, if we learn on Wednesday that our fellow brother, the person sitting next to you, is your sister, that we are adopted in the kingdom of Christ, if we're all part of this family, what are we doing? living for ourselves, waiting for the weekend so that I can enjoy my weekend, my life that I have. Yes, it belongs to you, but we cannot forget as Christians that we've been bought at the greatest cost, the price of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to love and to serve one another. In my early 20s, I had an honor and opportunity to go to Guatemala, one on one mission trip with my father been in a few with him. And when he came, and you know, my father kind of does his own thing because maybe it's like a, a Korean thing or he just has that kind of personality. And, um, and I remember I went there as one of the leaders. And you know, when they give us food, I always tell you guys we have to eat, right? We have to eat well 
so that we don't disrespect anybody. And, you know, we need to be good examples, even in the way that we eat and how we treat the food and the food that has been given to us. So I knew that going in because I've been on many mission trips before. I think this was my father's first time or second time. I think it was like his first time. So he just kind of does his thing. Like he goes and talks to the kids and like does crazy stuff and plays with them. And he's like over there, we're supposed to be here with the team and he's over there. Well, I wasn't in charge of the adults. I was in charge of the young adults. He's like doing over there, he's like up in the mountains over there. I'm like, all right, this guy like, and we're eating and they give us this food. And now I thought that he just didn't want to eat the food. <laughs> like he goes and he's, he goes outside. I'm like, where's he going? It's dangerous. Oh, I'm sorry, this was in Colombia. This was in Colombia, not Guatemala. So this was a second mission trip. He went out and then he, there was this homeless man and we were doing a haircutting thing for the homeless people. And he, he was giving the food and for me in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we gotta follow the rules and we gotta make sure that people are safe. And you know, I'm just, I have that mindset where we need to make sure that we are doing things right. Because, you know, it's not safe for him to be out, especially the area where we were in. Uh, he just went out and he was just giving them food and I was like, I got so caught up in the logistics that I forgot to keep the main thing the main thing. It's about serving and having the heart of Christ. I realized right then and then that I gotta be flexible, just like the story of Nain, when Jesus stopped at a funeral to help a widow with her only dead son, that he went and he stopped, and he didn't need to stop in that small town of name, but Jesus Christ stopped, and because that was his heart, he was trying to show us what it means. It's about putting your faith in to action. Putting your faith in to action. And the last article, it's about a woman who donated all the food from her canceled wedding, $30,000. She donated all the food to the homeless. Last statistic for you, one person in four, there is undernourished. Poor nutrition causes nearly half, 45% of deaths in children under five. 3.1 million children each year out of six children, roughly 100 million in developing countries is underweight. One in four of the world's children are stunted according to world hunger statistics. So we understand that we live in a world that is so divided. Christians are amazing speakers, talkers, but we are not doers of God's word. We are called to be doers of God's word, amen? In Mark 2, we talked about this story and in the story, it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Like I said, the original Mission Impossible scene. The scene was very serious. The friend was paralyzed, he could not move. But they all gathered together and they put their faith into action. And it says here in verse five that when Jesus saw their faith, faith you have to see. When Jesus saw their faith, he didn't just see the faith that was in their heart that, oh, I have faith that I believe and that's it. Everything that an individual did that encountered Jesus, it took some sort of action. The woman who bled 12 years went, if only I can touch, action. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then everyone's like, oh, who does he think he is, blah, blah, blah. And then later Jesus says, pick up your mat and go. And then he walks. Meaning even in, as Christians, as friends, as brothers and sisters, we need to put our faith in action and dig through the roof. As these individuals, as they lowered their paralyzed friend to Jesus, they went ahead and they put their faith into action. Can you right now in your seat think of two friends who will do that for you? Two brothers and sisters. If you can say that your worldly friends can do that for you, then the friends who are in your church 
then that's a very sad church. Brothers and sisters are priceless and precious relationships that you should not take for granted. If anything, we are called to be even more loyal than those who are out in the world. You need to surround yourself with the right circle of friends, right people who will fight for you, who are doers. When you share with them your struggles, they put it into action and they pray for you with their action. They get on their knees and when they need your help, you are there for them. You put it into action and you become available for their help and for you to help them, for you to be their pillar, for you to be their foundation. You are called as Christians not just to hear, but to do, to be doers of God's word. If you could name even just one friend in your heart, a friend who will fight for you, a brother or sister who will fight for you, pray for you, then you are blessed beyond measure. Rather have one or two who will stand by me versus a hundred or a thousand of casual people who would say that they love you, but when everything comes down to it, they're no longer there. Focusing on verse 2 to 4, they gathered in such numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So a man came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat, and the man was lying on. They lowered him down. It's a reminder that who is my real brother? Who is my real sister in moments like these? Are you a doer? Am I a doer? When you come to church, can you truly count on your fellow neighbor, the person who's sitting next to you? Look at the person next to you. Take a good look. Are you truly there for your brother and sister who is in need? Where are the real men and women, the real brothers and sisters in Christ who stand by you and help you in your time of need? Where are they? Why have so many people have left church? Because they've been hurt by their fellow brother and sister or by their pastor. That's a very sad situation. And if you can't say confidently that we can count on our fellow brothers and sisters at this church, then we are doing something wrong as a church. We are called to be doers of God's word, especially in this day and age with so much fakeness, with social media and image. It's hard to know, you know who is truly real or not because everything is about being seen. If I have a friend right now, and you're sitting here thinking, if I have a friend who is a doer of God's word, then you should say, I am truly blessed. Truly blessed. If only we as Christians were doers of God's word, then merely listeners. Imagine what the world would look like. Imagine. But we are so caught up with our own things, with our own agenda, with our own selfishness, and our pride has become our main thing. Humility is to put others' interests above your own. Leading this with missions, imagine we're a small church, but we do missions faithfully, even in times where we didn't have the finances and when, when even from the top when they've told us, no, you shouldn't go there or no, you shouldn't, it's too expensive. We've made a way. And God had made a way because we took that faith. Imagine if these countries were reached. I remember, I remember in my early 20s, I heard a pastor who came from Japan, and he was sharing about Japan with the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and World War II. And you know how Japan surrendered? And they, they surrendered during World War II. And, and we see that, you know, atomic bomb, I mean, that's... That's like the most powerful bomb in the world. And they got two. <laughs> I think it was like August 6th and 9th. It was like two days after. There were no breath to breathe. And Japan's like, okay, we surrender. 
And then just imagine the zeal of Japanese people. You know, he was just sharing because he came from Japan. He's saying that Japan is one of the countries that we need to reach because these people are so strong, like in their spirit, that even just for the emperor, you know, just the way that, you know, kamikazes and when they're willing to take their own life, the samurai honor or taking their plane and killing their life and how far they will go to further their agenda, the emperor's agenda. And he was just saying that if Japan is reached, imagine just how quickly they were able to go from a place with the bombings and all the harshness and they were able to rebuild themselves back up. They're saying if Japanese, if they become Christians and if they find Christ, how much are they going to take the gospel of the truth and take it to the ends of the earth? Missions, everything we do is important. Every finance that we give, everything that we support, every prayer that is spoken, every action that we take, every time when a mission trip goes and you're able to drive them to the airport, and every little thing counts because that shows your faith. Are you a doer of God's word? Are you just hiding behind the podium? Are you hiding behind the image that you have built for yourself? And we learn through scriptures that Jesus, he literally went and he put everything into action. Everything he did, he showed with his action. Be doers of God's word. Amen? Here's what happens if we're not doers of God's word. We all know the story of Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Let me go ahead and read for you so that we are reminded once again. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. These are all actions. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, both the righteous to eternal life. It's very clear that for not putting our faith and our love into action, then we will go to the eternal punishment. On the left, the goats will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let that be a reminder, the importance of why, as a church and as an individual, that we are called to be doers of the word of God. Amen? Without deeds, your faith is dead. You cannot have faith without deeds. Number three, last point. Die to self daily. Die to self daily. What I mean by that is be faithful in taking up your cross daily. What do I mean by the cross? Cross is a symbol of pain, suffering, of death. It means to die daily. 
every day be completely sold out for the gospel every day every day know this Satan desires to entice you and to destroy you every single day, every second of your life, even in your sleep, in your dream. While you're breathing, that's his goal, to destroy you. The world and its desires are too strong and too tempting. That is why you must remain strong in Christ. How? By picking up your cross, dying to self daily, only in Christ. Can you truly overcome? It's a daily conscious choice that you must make every day. Daily you must make this decision. When you wake up, don't think about having a comfortable day, an easy day. Well, you're going to live just for yourself. God is outside of the picture. Maybe when you're younger, when God wasn't in your life, when you were not saved, yes, that was your way of getting your strength back and regaining your strength. But never leave God even in your rest. Let Christ be the center in your rest. Only in Christ can you truly overcome. Do not go on cruise control. As Christians, we cannot go on cruise control and just cruise life by. And, and we hear things like, let Jesus Christ take the wheel, take control. Uh, but the way that I see it more clearly is that at the end of the day, you and I, we are free individuals. We make our own decisions. So I see it more like I'm driving, but if you ever done driver instructor, he's right there, he or she is right there to your right, and they tell you exactly what you have to do, and they teach you everything. And if you don't follow it, if he says go on the local road, but yeah, you go on the highway, then whoa, then you're on your own, buddy. Then you're gonna destroy everyone in the car but you are called to listen to your instructor. You are called to listen to the very word of Christ. Yes, at the end of the day, it's us driving, but we have someone who is greater and stronger, who is in the car with us, just like the story of the other side when they're on the boat. Jesus is right there in the boat with them, and they have forgotten. When we're driving, you have to remember that it's not us taking control. It's Christ that is with us, and he is guiding us every step of the way. And he is with us, and he is our counselor. Holy Spirit is our counselor, is our guide, and his word is everything. It's a manual. Just like going back to the message of God's will, part two. Right? It's about having the foundation. We want the individual decisions and all these different things first before we have the foundation of the moral will. How can we make the right choices if there's no God in our lives, in our foundation? God doesn't tell you to go wear a pink shirt, go wear this shirt, go wear that, wear these pair of shoes. With the wisdom that God has given you, we dress modestly. As women, we, we choose to dress in a way where we won't be a hindrance to other men. When we come to church, there's wisdom in that. That comes from wisdom. No one is forcing you, but from the wisdom that God has given you, you make the right choices. It's for the men. We don't wear white beaters to church because it's fun. It's so funny because I have a young who always makes fun of me because um, I used to wear like white beaters to church when I was young. And like, you're like, you little, you little punk, what do you think you're doing? But you know, I've grown and matured. We all change. We've had seasons when we're younger where we did what we wanted as we grow mature and older in Christ, even our attire, the way we walk, talk, dress, everything changes. Everything is transformed because our driver, our instructor is guiding us. How? Through his word. He tells us how to live through his word. You may be sitting here today and you think, oh, you're being too serious. You need to just relax. Do you not see the world that we live in? Do you not see the people, the way they dress, and how we're living in this world, this day and age? You're being too conservative. Okay, then let us see. Let us see right now how the scripture tells us to live. Going back to the, the, the title. No, not the title. The point number three. Die to self daily. Let's see what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, it says this. I face death every day. In other words, Paul is saying, I die every day. 
Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I face death every day, I day, I die every day. Luke 9:23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross when, sometimes when you feel like it, daily, every day, and follow me. Again, the cross is a symbol of death, torture, suffering every day. Paul was not a sellout. And listen to me carefully. He was not a sellout, but was completely and wholeheartedly in his mind, in his heart, in his physical body. He was, a, he was completely sold out for the gospel of Christ, the gospel of truth. He was not a sellout, but he, his life he lived completely sold out for the gospel of the truth of Christ. If Paul calls us, if Christ calls us to live all the way, to die daily, to pick up a cross daily, who are we to make our own decisions, to have our one foot on the world, the other foot in Christ? Dare we think that that is okay? Colossians 2.20, this is very easy to memorize this. If you know Galatians 2.20, just remember Colossians 2.20, same thing, same chapter, same verse. Colossians 2.20 says that since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Why? You must live for Christ. The only person that you must submit to is God, is Christ himself. Colossians 2.20. What's Galatians 2.20? We all know this. We memorize this mission team. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You have been crucified with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. Be faithful with what God has given you. Don't quit. Don't be quick to quit. Don't quit. Don't just listen. Put it into action. Be doers of God's word. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, be doers. Let's go to the the title page, Be Doers. For next week, we're all going to go skydiving. Just kidding. Tony's like, ah. In the air, she's going to be like, oh, what? It's my book bag. <laughs> I do this. Her pencil cases are going to fly. <laughs> Priest team, please come up. Late last night, uh, in the middle of the night, I came and I went back to my notes because I really wanted to, I was tired, I wanted to sleep, but I went back and I wanted to put this in because this was very fitting for our generation, for this time that we're living in. It fits with the message, be doers of God's word in the time that we're living in. And it says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. This is one of the seven churches, the Laodicean church. This is a church that is very fitting in, in, this, in America in the times that we're living in. And it says this through John, the writer. He's saying in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, 17 to 22. Please pay attention. It says this. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either, either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm... You are neither hot nor cold. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. God right here is speaking to the Laodicean church. They were insipid. They had no flavor. The scripture reminds us that you are called to be the salt and the light. They have lost their flavor in the kingdom of God, meaning they became useless in the kingdom of God. They were lukewarm in their actions. They are lukewarm in their thoughts. They are lukewarm with their convictions. There was no God in the center. They lived however they wanted. 
They were comfortable. They had everything that they had, but yet they chose to stay in that lukewarm place. Their heart and their devotion to God and their actions to God it was useless. They were pretenders in the kingdom of God. Do you belong right now in the Laodicean church? Are you a, a member of the Laodicean church? We are living in a generation. We're living in a generation right now. Younger students, kids, I have a friend who's a teacher. He's telling me, we have people who, are, who work with young people. They're telling me that kids, parents are not taking the love of God, the word of God with conviction and with, they're not living with zeal. They're more concerned with the education. They're more concerned with their savings. They're more concerned living a comfortable life. There's no conviction. They're not hot nor cold. And that is the generation that we are living in. We are living in a world where we are pretenders in the kingdom of God. And what does the scripture say? I will spit you out of my mouth. I am about to spit you out of my mouth, the word of God says. Scripture says, it goes on, verse 17, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched. You are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor. You are blind. You are naked. I cancel you to buy me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And Seth, to put it in your eyes so you can see. Right here, the words, gold refined in the fire. Do you know what that means? When you purify gold, you put it through the refining process of high fire, high temperature fire. Then all the iniquities, all the bad things will flow up to the top. And you clean all the iniquities, all the dirtiness. Then the gold becomes pure. No impurity can survive that refining process. But you are concerned with your worldly riches. You are concerned with the wealth that you have acquired in your life. You say, I am rich. But God is telling this world, God is telling this generation right now that you are wretched. You are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor, blind, and naked. And God goes on and says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. We talked about this on Wednesday night about discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's so much truth in this truth right here in verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, it's not just about hearing the word of God. It's about putting it into action. You need to go and physically open that door. Or else it can, the person who's waiting cannot come in. And once you open that door, I will come in and eat with that person. We talked about what that, what that meant, eating. Eating represents forgiveness. Eating represents unity. All your debts have been canceled. You are at peace with that person. You cannot eat with an enemy. Jesus says, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. Wow, what a promise that we have in Christ. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit on my, on my, on my throne. Just as I was victorious, and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the churches. Let me remind you today that you are blessed. If you're living in this land of America, you are so blessed beyond measure. You are blessed with prosperity, with wealth, with education, you are living right now in history, one of the greatest nations in all of history. You are living here right now. And you could take this in two ways. When we go on missions, when we travel, 
we could come with this attitude where we have pride and it stems from pride. We think that these people are the least of these and they're somehow under us, that I am here to help them. Or you approach it. And I pray that this is the approach that we will take, is that we will approach with humility as Christ humbled himself, left all his riches and everything that he had for what? For you. He came to this earth, incarnation of Jesus Christ, humbled himself. There's no greater act of humility than the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He came and he came and lived. He was born in a humble place, lived a humble life, a servant leader, served his people. The people around them were training him to be the individual who would destroy Rome and the empire around them. But God was not, Jesus Christ was not that kind of leader. He was not that kind of savior. He came and he humbled himself. And he lived and he died. A servant, a criminal's death, wrongly accused. And I pray that as we're here right now, as we're sitting here listening to this message, that we will become doers of God's word with humility, for the love of people, for the love of God's children, that we will start from our own lives, that when we see our brothers and sisters, that when we see our brothers and sisters at church, that we will see them with love, with humility, with true conviction, and that we will love them as Christ loved them, that we won't forget that that person, that person that we are in a dating relationship or we're in a small group or in a mission team, That person is a child of God. Let us not get twisted. Let us not have a false idea what it means to be rich. Rich doesn't mean the money that you have in your bank account. Do not get it twisted. Even in your highest of highs, in the pursuit of your dreams, all of your accomplishments, all of your dreams can be shattered and be crashed in an instant. But the only thing that will keep you that will keep you strong and foundation in Christ it's the rock of our Lord Jesus Christ the rock and my redeemer the one who was to come who is to come the one who loves me the one who cares for me the one who loved me and the one who died for me for me to live as Christ and to die as gain I wish you were either one or the other cold or hot So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and self to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Father, let us be individuals. God, that we won't be individuals who have faith and faith alone. But Lord God, you reminded us today that God, that faith without deeds is dead. Lord, help us to show our faith by our deeds, by who we are as people of God. God, that everything we do is an overflow from the free salvation of grace and salvation that we have received in the kingdom of God from you, O Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that God, you instill within us conviction and courage to live a life that is faithful to your word, O God. In a generation where, God, everything is lukewarm, where everyone else has turned to their own ways or are living their own lives, let us be people of God chosen and holy people of God to be blameless and upright not by our own works that we have done 
but simply by the blood that was shed for us, the blood that has washed away all of our sins. So God, we look to you, Holy Spirit. God, as we're getting close to the end of January, it'll be February soon. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your unending love, your agape love. Strengthen us today, Father. Watch over us. Let us be real, real individuals in the kingdom of God. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.